Let's go into our time of the word for today. It will be Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 15 through 21. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. I'll read it for us, and we'll pray, and we'll jump right into uh, the message. Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is God's word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you as people who are in need of your grace. Lord, you are God and we are not, and that's a great news. Uh, We are uh, very fragile and uh, we go up and down uh, depending on circumstances and our mood uh, and different situations, God. But you are constant and you are good. So we look to you, God, that you would um, instruct us and uh, establish our hearts, not just as individuals, but as a church, as we hear your word. And enable me, God, empower me to be able to communicate your word clearly. And may I be able to serve uh, my people well uh, by your grace. So open up our hearts right now through your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, three points, as usual, uh, for you to follow uh, more easily. Uh, those are the heart of wisdom, the heart of gratitude, and the heart of service. And the title for this message is The Heart Filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's jump right in to the first point, the heart of wisdom. Look with me to verse 15. It says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, there's that one word, then. Uh, it's, it can be also translated, therefore. What that shows is that today's passage that we'll look at is a continuation uh, from last week's passage. And last week we saw that Paul was exhorting efficient believers to you know, live as children of light as opposed to darkness, uh, which is the world. So today's passage will be about uh, how to live as God's people in this world. In that context, we see again in the verse, you know, Paul urges the Ephesian believers to look or examine, you know, how you walk, which is basically, um, you know, how, how to live, uh, how to live as believers. He's exhorting us to uh, really pay careful attention to how we live, and and he wants us to live wisely and not unwisely. And now, it is 
you know, admittedly hard to understand what Paul is trying to say here. Like, what does it mean to live wisely? But thankfully, Paul will spell that out for us. Uh, So we turn to verse 16. It says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So here Paul is saying that the believers are to know what kind of time that they are living in. So what kind of time are they living in? You know, first, the line in the verse, making the best use of the time, indicates that believers have a limited amount of time you know, in their hand so that they must take advantage of the time they have right now. The time is limited for the believers uh, because you know, in, in salvation history, uh, believers are situated between Christ's first coming and second coming. And we believe that Christ can come at any moment. And also, physically, you know, believers or non-believers do not live forever. God can take us away at any moment. Death can happen at any time. But the time they have is not only limited, but we also see that it is evil, the evil days. What that means is that the world is against the believers. They're trying to live for God, you know, live as God's people, but the, the, the world is not helping them because they are sinful. So living wisely, therefore, putting this together, uh, in Paul's mind means to know the time that we are in. That it is limited, it's not forever, it's, there's a limited time, but also evil. The world, world is working against us to live for God. And I think Psalm 90, uh, 10 and 12, if you turn there, I think capture this concept well. It says, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and we fly away. So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. I think many of us in, our, in this room and in our church, uh, you know, we're young. I think many of us are young, and I think that may sometimes lead us to believe that we have all the time in the world, and now is time to live for, you know, myself and my own goals, whatever that they might be. They might, they might be. The sober reality uh, is that, again, Jesus can come back any time. And if we, you know, by God's grace, are to live to our full lifespan, like the psalmist says, it'll be either 70 or 80, a little longer than that. So in that amount of time, the limited amount of time, Paul is saying, while you have breath, don't delay. Use and utilize right now and right here for God. Because that's what matters the most in this life. That's what gives you the most pleasure and true joy. And that's why in that vein, Paul turns to the next verse, verse 17. He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Because the time is limited, be wise and know, understand what the Lord's will is. 
just to clarify the, the, the phrase, understanding what the Lord's will is, uh, it does not necessarily mean to know God's decision for you know, specific things of my life, such as you know, which job should I take or you know, who should I marry, things like that. Because if you turn to Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, um, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, so that we may do all the words of this law. So there are the secret things, secret will of God, uh, which is what has what God has decided for us in His, uh, you know, sovereign counsel. It's hidden. We don't know those specific answers to those specific questions many times. Although we would hope many times, you know, that God would just write it in the sky for us, so we will choose, you know, make the decision that we think is best. But it's often hidden. But at the same time, instead, God's law, you know, for us Christians, the Bible contains a different kind of God's will, which is a revealed will, uh, meaning God has revealed some things for us to know what God wants us to do in our daily life. You know, it records what kind of character traits we are to have as his people. It also records how we should relate to God and relate to other people, treat other people. So to understand what the Lord's will means that we read the word, read the Bible, and understand the general principle of how God wants us to live, and we apply that into the specific situations of our lives. That's what it means. There we may not know the exact answers of which way to go, but we can live the right life according to the word of God. That's what it means to know God's will. And guess what? That's why we, that's why we do uh, Bible studies every week. You know, whenever we get together, we look into God's word and try to study and understand what it means, and then we apply into the specific situations and examples of our lives. And God's saying, that's what we're to continue to do as God's people. And that's how you live wisely. Again, because the time is limited. So choose right. Choose right path. To illustrate that, um, there was a pastor that I served under in my old church. Uh, and he was around my parents' age. And... Um, and one of those days, while we're having a, a staff meeting, uh, and I forget what the context was, but you know, he just started telling me and other pastors that his desire is to become a full-time overseas missionary you know, after he retires. And to be really honest with you, when I heard that, my immediate reaction was, why? You know, why would you work more uh, after you retire, you know, aren't you supposed to not work uh, and enjoy your life after you retire? And but because that struck me so hard at the time, it, it stuck with me, and I kept thinking about it over and over. And uh, for the next several years, uh, while that you know conversation was stuck in my head, 
I also witnessed some things. And that was that, you know, I came to see a lot of people are depressed after they retire. The reason is, I, I noticed that for them, their work and career were their everything. So once they stopped working, instead of enjoying the time off, they're restless, they lost purpose, and they didn't seem to enjoy how they're living. And then I realized what the pastor meant. And then I realized that he was being wise because he knew the time well. He knew his time on earth is limited, and he knew what truly brings true joy and what really matters to human beings, which is doing God's work and doing the kingdom work. So again, you know, we're we young overall, but may we know our time well and live wisely by pursuing God's will in his word and apply that into our lives. The heart of wisdom. Second, the heart of gratitude. So now Paul will spell out more for us what it means to live wisely. So look with me to verse 18. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I want to spend some time here, because a lot of people tend to misuse this passage for, uh, you know, different uses. Uh, So let me try to clarify what this really means. First of all, please notice that Paul does not say, do not drink wine. He says, do not, get, do not get drunk with wine. So Paul is not prohibiting consuming alcohol altogether. And if you look into the history, this makes so much sense because back then, they didn't have a good filtration system. So drinking water was not available to many people, to general public. And you may think, oh, just drink milk. Uh, it was delicacy at the time as well. It was expensive. You know, it was not like mass production like right now for cheaper price. That's why people had to, you know, mix wine with water, you know, for that purpose. So Paul is not prohibiting, you know, alcohol alcohol altogether. Second of all, notice that Paul qualifies getting drunk with wine uh, by adding the line for that is debauchery. Debauchery means excessive indulgence of something for your pleasure. And the Greek word for it further means uh, having no self-control over uh, yourself, uh, which can lead to ruin uh, for your life. So Paul seems to have in mind the kind of getting drunk with wine that causes you to lose control uh, over yourself and engage in sinful behaviors because you've lost control over yourself. And lastly, that totally fits into the context of this passage, meaning that, you know, so far, Paul has been saying, live wisely, do not waste your time, but live for the Lord. But if you lose control because you have abused 
alcohol, if you lose control, then you will indulge in sins and you will waste time in your life, your precious time, and you will be very unwise in that. The misuse of alcohol is what Paul is after. And that understanding will help us understand what Paul says next in the verse, which is, be filled with the Spirit. You know, we learned earlier in the book of Ephesians and throughout the, uh, throughout the scriptures that at conversion, believers receive the Holy Spirit for good. The Holy Spirit uh, dwells in believers permanently. And he will not leave them. So therefore, being filled with the Spirit must mean that Believers allow the Holy Spirit to have more influence in their lives. That's what it means to be you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. And interestingly, if you go to Galatians 5, where you find the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the fruit that the Spirit bears for you, in you, one of them is self-control. So you get what Paul is saying here now. Paul is saying you know, not to misuse alcohol because it, it leads you to lose control. But instead, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you allow Holy Spirit to influence your life more, it'll give you self-control so that you can live a life that is fulfilling and truly joyful and that pleases God. That's what it means. That's the context. So now the question that we have might be, what does it really look like? What does it concretely look like for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, because I think, you know, right away you may think like some, something that's cerebral or mystical, but I'll show you, uh, we'll see that it's very concrete. There are examples of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and the next two verses uh, show us that. So verse 19, it says, Addressing one, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So what it means is to worship God from a genuine heart, heartfelt worship, you know, through singing in a corporate setting, like, you know, what we just did on Sundays and also in you know, life groups too. Uh, what it means is that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, your heart will be worshipful uh, and you will sing out of your genuine heart. And then verse 20, it says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit will give us a thankful attitude in our hearts and that will, again, propel us to worship God. And the question might be, you know, how do you stay thankful? You know, how do you do that? And the key word, key phrase there is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What that means is that even during difficult times, we can be thankful because we, we learn throughout the book of Ephesians that we have all the blessings in heaven in Jesus Christ. That he loves us unconditionally. That Jesus died for us to purchase us. That we have hope and inheritance in the future. So in that sense, we're the richest people in the whole universe. So holding on to that, we can be thankful and joyful. That's how you stay thankful. 
And that's what Holy Spirit will do. He will remind us of the blessings in Christ. So again, that's what Holy Spirit will do as we walk with Him. That as we become thankful and we'll be worshipful. And if you think about it, conversely, what that means is, you know, if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, the sign will be that, you know, we will be, you know, not grateful. We might be bitter and cynical. Gratitude is a good sign of how we're doing spiritually. Uh, last week uh, was you know, our first life group gathering um, for the summer. I hope you had a great time in your life groups. In my life group, um, we played a little game where uh, each one had to share any you know, quirky uh, hobbies that uh, people may not know about. And I share that my hobby is to read Wikipedia for leisure. Because I get curious about a lot of things. And one of the things that, came up, that I came across recently was uh, tonsils. Tonsils. There we go. I thought about posting, you know, like real tonsils, but it looked pretty gross for some reason. So I resorted to fake one. So tonsils, I've been reading about them, you know, on Wikipedia and, you know, watching about them and all of that. And some of you might know what tonsils do, uh, whether you're medical students or whatnot, you might know. But I think it's a really cool organ. Uh, it is a first line of defense against, you know, viruses and bacteria. So what, what it means is that when it gets sick or when you get sore throat because of tonsils, it may alert you, alert the rest of the body that, you know, the attack is about to come. So do something about it. And, and that made me think about all the other signs that I experienced in my life, probably not only because of tonsils, but, you know, because of other, you know, things that my body's, you know, alert me about. Like, for example, you know, when I feel overly tired, you know, when I, when my throat starts itching and, you know, when my nose gets stuffed, that's when I know that I have to do something about it. Because I'm in a season in my life where I cannot get afford to get sick. So I have to stay healthy. And, and of course, these days, you know, I have to test myself whether I have COVID. And if I'm cleared, what I do is I, you know, heat up some water and make for myself uh, honey tea and, or if that doesn't work, I, you know, take some cough drops. And then I also take some my favorite brands of uh, medicines. It sounds kind of shady, but um, there are some good ones that I usually go to. <laughs> um, and then uh, at the end, I try to get really good sleep, good night's sleep that night. And most of the time, uh, I, that, that works, and I haven't gotten sick, like, too bad. Uh, recently at least. And I share that because spiritually, again, the sign that our, our soul and even the Holy Spirit gives us that we might be getting sick spiritually is ingratitude. And when we find ourselves grumbling uh, because of dissatisfaction, you know, we, we know right then that something's not right. 
know, there's attack coming. And if we let the condition take control of our hearts, like alcohol might do for our bodies, you know, we will drift away from God. And we may end up hurting ourselves and others around us because of our words that may be too sharp uh, or different attitudes that we may show to other people. So Paul, that's why he's exhorting us to be thankful, give thanks to God, and especially recount every single blessing that you have in Christ. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit can work and grow our hearts to be thankful and defend us, protect us from any further attacks that way. So could could we take some time right now before we move on um, to recount for each one of our lives what are the things that we can be and we should be thankful for? It could start from every little material thing that God has graciously given us, including something another breath to take. I think that's a miracle when I think of myself and just how crazy the world is right now. And as we go down the line, um, I think the Holy Spirit can open our eyes to the greatest blessings of all. God's great love for us, His salvation, His faithfulness from beginning to the end. None of that we deserve, but God has given us. And may that move our hearts to worship God whenever we get together and even in our personal rooms. And that's how you know, we grow and live wisely. That's his will found in, in the word. So the heart of gratitude. And lastly, how do we live wisely? The heart of service. Only one verse here. So there's one, only, uh, there's one more thing Paul will show us as an example of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. When the Holy Spirit takes control of our hearts, he can move us from selfishness to humble selflessness, which will enable us to serve others. Look with me to Philippians 2, 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. If we're honest, if I'm honest with myself, our default is to be selfish, right? We want to be kings and queens of our own kingdom. We want people to make much of us. We want people to serve us, even when we serve others. You know what I mean? We want ourselves to be pronounced to others. But the Holy Spirit, here's what he will do to grow us in the heart of service. He will remind us in our mind and heart what the Lord's will is, again, from the the past verses, what the Lord's will is from the scriptures. And the scriptures, we see that we are sinners deserving hell because of our selfish rebellion against the true king. 
but the word also says, also portrays the true king, Jesus. In his great mercy, he left this throne, Philippians 2, to what? To serve our needs, which is salvation. And he even died on the cross for us. And the Bible says, now God wills, this is his will, God wills that we imitate him as redeemed sinners. We also leave our thrones and serve other people's needs and serve them as if they are kings and queens and not us. And by that, when we imitate Jesus, you know, we would be worshiping Jesus out of reverence for Christ. That's his will. Um, I think I shared this before, but um, maybe to your surprise, I used to work as a waiter at a restaurant. Uh, I think it's really mainly because my parents used to own restaurants uh, back then. And uh, a bitter twist, just to kind of give you a just conclusion here, is that they ended up firing me. Uh, the reason was that I was, they argued that in my height was intimidating to the customers. But I can tell you that my customers would beg to differ. Uh, I think they all loved me. I don't know why my parents th thought that way. But anyways, the, the point is I used to be a waiter. And let me quickly ask you, how many of you have been a waiter before? Just a few of us. It's a hard job. It's a humbling job. Um, you know, when I was, when we are, you know, customers, you know, I would just be sitting there, right? And I would be you know, ordering things and even complain when things do not go the way I want. You know, I'm the boss. I'm the king. Um, but when you become a waiter or waitress, you have to leave your throne. You know, you have to get out of the king or queen mindset and put on the servant mindset. So here's what I did. I would make sure that whenever I take orders, I would literally kneel down um, so that I can, you know, be either on the same eye level or I would go even lower so that the customer will look down on me and that it won't be the other way around. And I write the orders on the table that way. And I would, you know, periodically go up to their tables. Even when they don't call me, I would ask them, you know, whether everything's okay. And uh, I would ask them whether they need more water or napkins, things like that. And in the end, you know, if the customer is happy, I'll be happy too. And if they were frustrated, I'll be frustrated too. You see, when you... Um, you know, spiritually become a believer and are filled with the Spirit, you also are to, you know, leave your throne and become in your identity a servant. I think a lot of times we hear that a lot. We are servants. You know, we are a servant for Christ. But we got to really, you know, get that out of cerebral concept. It's a real thing. That's our identity as Christians. We leave our throne we, we get out of the king or, king or queen mindset and put on the servant-waiter mindset because you are convicted by the Spirit that 
Jesus was a servant for you. So now you treat others as kings and queens, and you serve them from your knee up. And you go up to people, even when they don't ask you, you know, to check upon them and, and see what the, what the needs are to serve them. And lastly, when the people that you serve are happy, you're happy. But when they are sad, you are sad too. That's what it means to be a servant. Because think about it. That's how Jesus conducted himself, right? He became sad for us when we are sad. My goodness. That's what Holy Spirit does. He first helps us to worship God in gratitude, and he makes us servants to others. So we end up with selfless people. Only Holy Spirit can accomplish that. And I think in our church context, I really am thankful that a lot of us are serving in different ways. And um, so I don't think, you know, this, uh, um, you know, injunct- injunction, um, this, this command to serve others can be applied in our context to be, you know, like serve more in different roles. Um, but I think perhaps what this can encourage us to do is in a more relational way. That we, you know, this summer we, we said our goal is to become a one church, right? And uh, that we will grow closer to one another relationally. But um, would it be beautiful uh, in, in servant minds and attitude that we grow to deeply care for one another and truly serve one another and become one church that way? And I think that would be greatly glorifying to God as we become church like that and we display that to the world as well, that this is what true church is. So may, may we do that. May we know how short our time is on earth and we urgently and seriously live this life for God and walk by the Spirit um, by whom we become worshipful and humble servants for God. Let's pray together. That God is here in this place. That He deserves all of our worship. And we know that our worship can never be 100%. Uh, We know our distractions. We know our idols. But man, He provided Jesus Christ for us so that our worship can be seen as whole even in our incompletion and uh, imperfection. He receives our worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the gospel. Let's enjoy His grace for us as we search our hearts and uh, just bear open our hearts to Him. Uh, And all goes for us.
Heavenly Father, God, we long to, we want to surrender all to you and just live for you alone. And we, in repentance, in repentance, despise our hearts that are so divided many times. But thank you for your grace. Thank you for the perfect sacrifice of praise of Jesus on the cross. So as we come before you, we can offer up this praise to you. God, you are greater than all. You're the God of the universe. You're the creator of each one of us here. And you're the savior. God, the words cannot describe how great you are. Oh Lord, sorry for containing you into the small uh, hearts of ours. God, uh, move us, propel us forward by your grace so that the only name that is declared in our church and in our lives will be the the name of Jesus, our Lord, who alone deserves all the credit, all our worship, the only name that the history will remember. As we become small, as you become great, as John the Baptist confessed, may we have your joy, joy of being being your friend, joy of being your servants. May you become greater, may we become less. Heal our hearts and grow our hearts.